Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Do the difficult things while they are easy and do the great things while they are small. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. Lao Tzu. And I, you know, I wave and, hey, I just hiking through and kind of got some weird looks from a couple guys walking by with guns at, you know, 7 p.m. And it's dark out and then kept going down this this gravel road that the trail was. And then there was a car pulled, a couple trucks pulled over and another seven or eight people with, with their guns ready to go out on this, this pig hunt at night. And again, just kind of waved and kept going um, and then looked at my map and realized I was not on the trail. And the trail had gone off the road back before I had crossed those people. So I decided I didn't want to walk back through and say hi again to those people. So I, it looked like I wasn't that far from the trail. So I tried to just bushwhack and get back to the actual trail. And I got to where I couldn't stand up straight. I was on my stomach crawling through this brush. And so I couldn't turn and go back because I didn't know what direction the road had been. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the Trail Dirt Bags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. 
Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute to help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. I am excited to welcome back to the John Freaking Muir Pod, a guest from season two, who's been up to some pretty remarkable things recently, Carl Stanfield. How's it going out there, Carl? Hey, he's doing good, Doc. Just hanging out here uh, on Askerts at Glacier National Park on the CDT. Very good. Now, just judging from your appearance, you're looking a little scruffy there. So I'm I'm imagining you've been out for a little bit. I have been. Yeah, today is day uh, 238 of this trip. That would be the last time that I was clean shaven. Day number 238. We're just going to leave it out there as a teaser. We'll, we'll get into the details of what you've been up to and what, you, what you're doing out there. But day 238, that, that should give our, our listeners a clue that it is, it is some serious business. Yeah, it's been a trip this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, it is great. I can't wait to catch up with you. And uh, hear everything you've been up to, but let's let's just give our listeners a little reminder about uh, your trail name. What do you go by out there on the trail? Yeah, out here I go by Professor or just Prof for short. We like to keep it with the one syllable. That's right. You know, in t- in times of emergency, a one syllable trail name could be very handy. That's right. Yep, that's where we keep it. <laughs> and how did you pick up the label of Prof? Yeah, I got it from being uh, the logistics guy, my first trail family, always having the plan. So like day five on my first AT through hike in uh, in 2018, my friends caught up and I said, hey, we're trying to figure out, you know, where we're going to take our next year a day. And then Phil here said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just ask the professor when we see him. So professor it is. And from that point, a legend was born. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now, not only have you been a guest on the podcast, you, you've listened to some episodes. Uh, we, we were talking right before we came on air, and you had listened uh, just recently. So you're, you're familiar with the format. You know that towards the end of the segment, uh, end of the episode, we've got a segment called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. I, I can't wait to hear what bit of trail wisdom you can drop on our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So be ready for that. Great. Yeah, can't wait to come up with it. Okay. Now it's been a while since we talked to you. It was back in season two. I think it was a bonus episode around uh, the episode 14 or so. And so it's, it, we're now in season four, we're closing in on 200 episodes uh, total for the podcast. So it's, it's been a bit, it's been a, a, a little while and I can't, I can't wait to hear how things may have adjusted or changed in terms of your answers from last time to this time. So the must bring gear review we've been doing the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company six moon designs and here's how it works if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed and if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear even better so prof what uh, what's your must bring piece of gear what do you have to have with you out there yeah, great. This has definitely changed since last time. I thought of a few things that would be different. Um, but I, I'm going to go with my new favorite hiking shirt. I got my Jolly Gear Triple Crown button-down shirt. So nice. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a sun hoodie. It's got um, thumb holes to put your thumbs through. It's a button-down shirt. Uh, and mine's lasted almost 6,000 miles now, and it's still in good shape. So it'll, it'll take a good beating. They come in fun colors. Um, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's my uniform. I've been proud to wear this year. Nice. Now, what was that brand again? It's by Jolly Gear. 
And uh, the name of the shirt is called the Triple Crown Button Down. Okay, that's very appropriate for you. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. You know, I discovered sun hoodies last summer. They seem to be all the rage. Something that something new had taken off last season, and they are they are awesome. Summer of twenty twenty one is when I discovered the sun hoodie, and I have not looked back. Yeah, yeah, I um when I did the PCT in twenty nineteen, they weren't on my radar. I had a big floppy hat and everything, but uh, I'm all about them now. Nice. Now, what uh, what does your gear look like out there after? 238 days how big how big is your pack what's what's your base weight what kinds of items are you carrying yeah right now i'm rocking a base weight right around nine pounds um i've got a sweet pack that light af made for me that doesn't have a hip belt it's got nice wide shoulder straps on it um i got a z-pax tent i got my um my inflatable thermarest um i got a catabatic quilt so i've still got a i think Oh, and I still got a stove, so I'm still cooking out here. So I've got a, a like a relatively comfortable kit um, that's a, a nice and light. There's definitely lighter out there, but I, I like my balance of, of comfort and having a light pack. Now, you're doing some crazy things out there, but I am so glad to hear that you still have a stove. You have not gone that far crazy yet. Not yet. No, I've, I've come close. I don't cook every night, but I got the stove ready. <laughs> nice. It's the hiking pole. Okay, that's half calf telling us it's time for the hiking pole, and that is P O L L, like like a survey, not like the kind of sticks you hold in your hand while you're hiking out there. This is a seven question survey that uh, will help me determine your level of sanity. And so, after asking you these seven questions, I'm going to rank you on a scale from one to a hundred, with one hundred being completely sane and one being completely insane. And of course, as a long distance through hiker. Uh, you already lose 20 points right off the top because it has something to say about your sanity level. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a, that's a, that's a fair statement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you would think that these might be questions about hiking because it is called the hiking pole. But what I like to do is change it up a little bit, especially with people that I've talked to before. We already know your your positions on, you know, hiking poles and life above the tree line and all those good things. So I want to I change it up and really wrestle with some big issues that our society is facing. Great. Yeah. Bring it on. Let's see what we got. Okay. First question. Question number one, does pineapple belong on pizza? This is, this is the, one of the big ones here. I say yes. I, that's one of my go-to items to put on pizza. I'm a fan. Okay. You, you seem to hesitate a little bit there, but you, you say that is your go-to item. Oh yeah. 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 I saw my, I, when I'm, the last few years, I haven't been eating meat for a while. My go-to pizza is pineapple, onion, and jalapeno. Ooh, so it's, it's a staple good. for me. Yeah, a little spicy, a little sweet. That sounds good. Now, I, I, pro- I know I probably don't have to say this, but I'm just going to throw it out there because you hesitated a little bit. I don't want you to give me the answers you think I want to hear or you think our listeners want to hear. I want you to be your own person and just stand firm behind your decisions. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I was always going to be a yes. I was just trying to decide how emphatically the yes was going to be. Okay. And I know, I know just from our experience uh, with each other before that uh, you are your own man and you will, you will take whatever position you, you have in your head there. So I'll give it to you straight doc. That's right. That's right. All right. Question number two, do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Uh, Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Over I was trying to just picture which which one that that meant, but yeah, it's always over. Always, always over, and that's that's a pretty firm statement as well. Pretty firm, yeah, yeah. And I mean, are you so committed to that that if you find yourself on the throne in a friend's house or a relative's house, and it's done the the other way, that you will take the time to correct that that situation? I'll say sometimes, but I I do think it's a fair argument that if you have like pets, specifically cats. It going the other way, I like my sister's cat will like tear it up if it goes over, so they have to go the other way. So I understand there are exceptions, but if there's no animals in the house, I'm flipping it. Okay, nice. Are there exceptions to every rule? This is not a, a question on the hiking pole, but this is just a corollary that I like to follow up on if I hear something interesting. Are, is there an exception to every rule? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, we, we. I don't think we can live in a black and white world. I think I think the world is gray. So there's always got to be some room one way or the other. Yep, I'm with you there. Okay. Now, are you familiar with those uh, those little video type pictures that uh, go for a short duration? They're spelled G I F. Yes. Yep. How do you, how do you pronounce that? That would be a GIF, like a yeah. gift without the T. Okay, that makes sense. That's that's a good example. That's that's a good rationale right there too. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Moving right along here in the hiking pool, cats or dogs? Oh man, I'm going to lose points on this one, but I think I might actually be a cat person. Oh, really? I know. I know it's unpopular, but I'm going to stand by it. I love dogs. And I, I like being a dog uncle, but man, I've just seen like a lot of my friends and family get a dog and then just lose so much freedom as they're taking care of that dog. I know it's great. It's a great investment, but I, I like the the freedom that cats tend to still allow you. I don't have either right now, but um, yeah, I think I, I love both, but I think I, I go cat. Okay. And did you grow up with either one of those? Yeah, both cats more often than dogs. I don't think there was ever a time from the time I was born through high school that we didn't have cats. And we didn't get dogs until I was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And do you prefer the cat's uh, virtual indifference to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then still occasionally like a, sort of a need that they have. I had a cat that that like when I lived in um, Washington for a little bit, she came with the house I moved into because I moved out in the middle of nowhere and they we needed one just to take care of the mice. And so this cat, I moved in and this cat owned me and was very possessive of me. And they're, they're just, I don't know. I like their quirks sometimes. They're, a lot of them seem kind of the same and kind of bland, but sometimes you get one that's just like real quirky. I like that. You kind of see yourself in that uh, level of quirkiness? Yeah, we could say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Question number five. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I think so. I don't think you'd go around asking for a sandwich and get a hot dog and be stoked about it. But I think if you look at the definition, I think it falls under it. It's pretty close, but I, I think I say it is. This is this is a an issue that people have really strong opinions on one way or the other. You you were kind of middle of the road there. You kind of agree that it is a sandwich, but I've heard people that have ready to die on the hill that it is not a sandwich. And when pressed for reasons, you know, it's the type of bread, you know, there's a hinge in it, but you know, there, you have hoagies and Philly cheesesteaks that also have a hinge. 
And when confronted with that, then yep. they go with it's a, a it's a a solitary piece of meat uh, in the sandwich, and a sandwich really has more than that, or it's a cylindrical piece of meat that is not found in any other sandwich. So really strong opinions. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got like, you got breakfast sandwiches that have like sausage links on them sometimes. That's a sandwich. You got a hamburger. That's a sandwich. It's one piece of meat. I don't know. There, there's exceptions to everything, Doc. Love it. Nice. All right. Question six, Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. I, I like YouTube. I, I think, I mean, they're both hard to resist and hard to get out of when you get into a loop on them. But I, I think I think I'd rather hunker in it. Netflix just feels a little bit more uh, like you've got a plan, like you're sitting down to watch something. And then YouTube, you just get lost in short videos forever and don't feel like you really got anywhere. Whereas with Netflix, you at least made progress in a show or something. Okay. And a corollary question here. When you're on Netflix, do you spend more time scrolling through what to watch or actually watching something? I think a lot of the time it's a 50-50 split. But then once once I get a show, I'll I'll get all the way into it and, and binge it really hard. So there might be a few days of just looking for something and not finding much. But then I'll get on a show and then be totally in it. Nice. Nice. And have you, do you, or, or do you know anybody that has hit the surprise me button on Netflix? I hit it once and didn't like what it played and have never hit it again. <laughs> that solved that problem right there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I thought maybe the algorithm would do a little better and it didn't. So I haven't, I haven't put myself out there since then. Smart. All right. Question number seven, what is your most useful skill in the case of a zombie apocalypse? Hmm. I think, I think just being a through hiker, being really comfortable with not very much and being comfortable suffering. I, I, you know, I could live on very little for a, a pretty long time and still be pretty okay with it. So I think my, my, uh, yeah, just my endurance game would be pretty good. Okay. Comfortable with suffering endurance. Uh, I'd agree with that. That's a good assessment. All right, let me do some quick math, find out where you fall here on the sanity scale. I'm going to carry the two, going to divide by pi, got to multiply that by root seven. And uh, you know what? Let's factor in the the uh, air pressure at the top of Mount Katahdin since you've been there recently. I mm, come up with a okay. uh, solid score of 64. All right, sure. I'll take that. Is that, is that too high? too far away from the maximum. No, no, no. That, I think that's that's probably about right. Okay. All right. Just, just the right level of insanity there. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Now that score can change depending on how the rest of the talk goes tonight, but we'll, we'll, we'll settle in at 64 for right now. Okay, cool. That's home base. We'll see where we go. Home base. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. Um, I know the answers to these questions, but let's, uh, let's do a little refresher for our listeners. Where'd you grow up? What kinds of sports and hobbies did you did you engage in when you were a kid, and how'd you get involved in the through hiking cult? Yes, I grew up uh, in East Tennessee uh, near Knoxville, a little place called Maryville, Tennessee, that's right next to Smoky Mountains. I grew up playing basketball and soccer a lot, um, and I really liked summer camp. 
and I kind of liked it more for you know, just friends that I made more than the outdoor component of it. But the older I got, the more into the outdoors bit of it that I, I kind of grew into. Um, and then I went to college thinking I was going to do summer camp stuff and, and did. Uh, there was a, a major that's called wilderness leadership and experiential education that I got into at Brevard College uh, near Asheville, North Carolina. And got into that and then really got into backpacking. Um, my first trip was right before college. My dad and I went out to go do a trip in the Smokies. And I've, I've been stoked. I've been collecting gear for years. So this would have been summer of 2011. So I watched what little YouTube stuff there was out there about people going backpacking. And we did this 30-mile trip. It took three days. And I, it was so miserable. It was so hard. <laughs> we had such heavy packs. And uh, I didn't learn until much later that we, we went from Fontana Dam up to Clingman's Dome. So we learned later that we went up to the highest point on the ET on this trip. Um, and it, the Smokies are no joke. Even going back now, it's, it's not, it's not easy hiking. Um, but so kind of got the seed planted there and then did a little bit more throughout college. Um, and then I moved up to Washington state after I graduated in 2015 and worked at a camp there and did kind of even more outdoor stuff. And then I was there for two and a half years and then, um, just kind of everything, I left everything, everything left me, everything kind of ended at the same time and then fell into the world of through hiking in 2018. And then that's yeah. kind of where we are now. Yeah, that is a fantastic synopsis of season two episode, bonus episode number 14. Uh, you you <laughs> yeah, pretty much you covered go. a lot of ground right there in a very, very, uh, very few words. So if you want to get more on the professor's background tune into uh, season two episode bonus episode number 14 and give it a listen you skipped over a couple things one is i love i love the major uh it was the was it the willy the willy major yeah that's right that's what we call it for short w -L -E -E. leadership and experiential education that had to be one of the coolest majors ever it, it was awesome yeah i couldn't believe it was real when i found it um and it yeah it was just as fun as you think that it would be we did you know little skills courses throughout the rest of our college schedule and then um there's this one semester where we we did a bunch of stuff and then planned this 21 day trip and then went on it as students and so i'd already been on a 21 day expedition before i got into through hiking and so that that set me up so well for doing this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and you said you played basketball in high school yeah. 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 I started when I was pretty young uh, and I grew super fast. So, um, I hit six feet by the time I turned 13. So I, I learned how to be the big man on the floor and then I stopped growing. So then I, I only knew how to be the tallest person. And then by the time I was 14, 15, 16, it's not tall enough to be impressive at all. And so faded away and kind of did just more rec league stuff, but still, still had a lot of fun with it. Right. How, how tall did you top out at? Right at six feet. That was it. <laughs> oh, six feet. You hit six yeah. feet at 13. And that was, that was the end of the deal right there. That's it. Yeah. I haven't grown since then. <laughs> you, you peaked, it was at junior high or was that, uh, yeah. It had to be junior yeah, high. Right? Seventh, grade? seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh, seventh grade. Okay. It was all downhill from there. Yeah, that's right. Stopped growing tall, started growing facial hair. <laughs> to make up for it, to compensate. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, Briefly, your AT trip, you did the AT in 2018, you did the PCT in 2019. And, you know, I think we covered this last time I asked you, well, you know, obviously, what about the CDT, but we've heard already tonight that you are, you are currently on the CDT, but you've done a couple of things, a couple other things uh, previous to getting onto the CDT this year. And we'll, we'll save that for, for the second segment here, but of, of the AT hike in 2018 and the PCT in 2019, any 
any highlights, remarkable moments, moments of magic out there that you want to share? Yeah, plenty of great stuff. Um, something I, I think I might have left out last time that was a pretty cool highlight. Um, on the, the PCT in 2019, we left the Sierras. It was, it was a high snow year. So we left. We didn't leave till June 21st. There's still a lot of snow. There weren't many people out there. And we left, and, and spirits were kind of low. And we ran into this guy. Um, this is June 21st. And he said he was out doing a story for Hike Naked Day. And uh, he said he'd been out photographing people and some people were, were up for it. Some people were already hiking naked and asked if we were interested in it. He dropped that he was working for Outside Magazine and we kind of looked at each other. And we're like, yeah, I guess let's go for it. Um, and so uh, in, in 2019, I, I was a nude model for Outside Magazine. Wow. That's a, you put you include that on your resume these days. Uh, depends on who I'm giving it to, but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a bucket list item, right? <laughs> That's right. Now, did it actually turn out that he was a photographer uh, or a reporter for you know, outside we magazine, or did he just did he just drop that we, name? <laughs> right. We had him where after we finished, and he took the pictures and gave gave us his email and left. Kind of looked at each other and said, "So we're pretty sure that guy was legit, right?" Uh, but then we got to the next town. So we didn't have service for in this year. We got into the next town, and sure enough, he sent us the emails, and then the article came out. It was online, so it was never in print, unfortunately. Um, but the, there we were on on the, the online magazine or outside magazine online. So would this be July of 2019? If people wanted to search that uh, search that article online, yeah, it's uh, it's June 21st from from. Uh, well, yeah, so I guess it probably would have come out late June or first of July. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it was a little bit of unease between between you guys uh, when he left, and you're wondering, you know, did we just get scammed, or is that was that a real deal? <laughs> we were pretty sure he was. He was a pretty like, I don't know. He just he seemed legit, and uh, fortunately, it turned out that he was. I think oh. we probably would have been able to sniff out a fake. <laughs> Hopefully, that is a great story. You, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't believe I missed that one last time. When how often yeah. do you get to do that in your life? Mm-hmm. Now you've been out there for 238 days. What what did you do prior to day number one to help finance your trip? How are you paying the bills? Yeah, so after the PCT in 2019, I um went back to the small outdoor company I've been working at in Alabama, Alabama Outdoors, and um I ended up moving up in the company right at the start of COVID and started managing a store in Birmingham. So I ended up, I had full-time work throughout all of that period. That was awesome. They, they kept just managers and um, operations managers at each store. So I, I started that job March 11th and then the stores closed on the 19th. So I got in just in time and was fortunate to have full-time work and um, got paid pretty well for that and um, got to work somewhat in the outdoor industry. Got to talk to people about trips on occasion. So I was there from, um, for most of 2020 and then most of 2021. So I left um, in October of last year to have just a couple months to, to get ready for my trip this year. So, um, a little over a year and a half being with that company. Okay. Well, uh, in a, a full-time position. Okay. And we're on day th- 238. You are calling in right now from a hostel up in, in Glacier. Yep. I'm in East Glacier. This is Luna's place. Um, and this is honestly one of my favorite hostels I've ever stayed at. Uh, she's, she's new to the game. It's this old restaurant. 
um, that wasn't working great, didn't do great in COVID and has become this awesome hub for hikers. She just kind of got tired of working with tourists that were coming through that weren't so polite and then realized that hikers were super polite and super grateful. And so she seems to be stoked to be doing this. So we're, there's a couple of tiny cabins out here and then most people just sleep on the floor in this restaurant. We have full use of the, the commercial kitchen that's back here. Um, it's, it's a sweet spot. And in a, in a really expensive area too, the hotels around here, you know, 200 plus dollars. Nice. And you are taking a, you took a zero today. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I, um, I fell and hurt my hip a little bit yesterday and I was just heading into the Bob Marshall wilderness. So there's like kind of one bailout point that's like 90 or a hundred miles in other than that, just like a 150 mile stretch that I was looking at. And I got four miles in and fell and got hurt. And I, I just, I could still walk on it. It didn't feel great. I wasn't stoked about how I was going to feel in the morning and knew there was this nice place that was close by. I had cell phone service. So I was able to call and get a ride. Um, so it just felt like the smart thing to do. And I've, I've, I can make up for it. Um, taking a little bit of extra time off. Uh, I don't love to do it, but there's still a little bit of room in my, my time budget for the year. So it's a, it's a cozy place. And I got to sit at a thunderstorm last night by getting off trail yesterday. So. That always feels pretty good. Nice. Now, th this interview tonight came came together pretty quickly because I think we literally exchanged maybe DMs a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. I think you you might have messaged me a week or two ago asking to come back, and I said that's probably not going to be until January. Right. And then uh, I think it was yesterday. I said, "Hey, how about tomorrow?" And then you you were down for it, so that worked out great. Yeah, and this is fantastic. And um, you. You're talking about the time crunch, the time budget. You've been out for 238 days. What is your expected uh, total number of days you're going to be out? Are you hoping for? 365, going on the full year. 365. So you did you leave on January 1st? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I flew down. I started my trip this year in Key West. So I flew down New Year's Eve on December 31st and I've been hiking since sunrise of January 1st. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to leave our listeners with that. You you started January 1st in Key West. Now on day 238, you're up in Glacier National Park. And right now they're wondering, okay, what, what is he doing? What's What has what his path been? And we're going to get to that right after the break. Stay tuned. Be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, 
Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome back. We are talking to Carl Stanfield, also known as Prof or Professor. And here we are on day 238 of the year, which is also his 238th day hiking this year. And we're going to do the big reveal here. So I think most of you have heard who are listening, you've heard of the calendar year Triple Crown. You've certainly heard of the Triple Crown. That's when someone hikes all three of them, the American Long Trails, the AT, the PCT, and the CDT. The calendar year Triple Crown is when you hike all three of those in the same calendar year. And I'm going to call what what uh, Prof is doing the calendar Triple Crown with a twist because he's not just doing those three trails. He he added some serious miles. You heard he, he started in Key West on January 1st. And I believe, Prof, and, and correct me if I'm wrong and step in here, you went from Key West up to uh, the start of the AT um, and then all the way to the Canadian border. And so the, the usual AT hike is from is from Springer, Georgia to Springer Mountain, Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine. And you added distance on either end of that. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, yeah. What, 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 what are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah. So I, uh, got a handful of goals this year. The, the main goal is, uh, getting the record for the most miles traveled in the calendar year on foot. Um, so the, the most backpacking anyone's ever done in a calendar year. Um, or I think walking or running for that matter, I'm not positive. Um, and so, uh, with that, I'm trying to do the calendar year triple crown. I believe I will also be the first person to walk border to border three times in a calendar year. Um, with the traditional triple crown, you, you do the two. And then with my extension of the Appalachian trail, um, I go down to the Southern border border with Florida and I guess international waters is the border there. And then Canada on the Northern end. Um, I think somebody else has done it within 365 days has done those three, but I don't think it was a calendar year. Um, I need to look more into that, but I think I'll be the first person to do it between January 1st and December 31st. Okay. Now what, to your knowledge, what is the current record for most miles walked in a calendar year? Yeah, I believe it is held by um, an Australian guy named Cam Swami Honan, 
who hiked 10,244 miles in, um, I believe, 2011. Okay. And how many miles do you currently have under your feet? I'm at 5,963 today. Okay. And how many do you have left? When you when you hit the Mexican border at the uh, southern terminus of the CBT, how many miles would that put you at? So um, that'll put me at about 84, 8,500 for the year. So I, I so far hiked from yeah, Key West to Canada, and then I finished a little bit late, and I needed to take some time off. I just the the northern AT with ice on it and the the whites and everything just really beat me down. So I took about ten days off, and then got on the PCT on June 18th at Kennedy Meadows South. So I skipped the 700 miles of the desert and jumped right into the Sierra, and did um, all of the PCT north of that except for one fire closure. So I've got 800 miles of the PCT left to do. And then I just started the CDT um, a little over a week ago. So I'll be at maybe um, finishing the CDT, finishing the PCT will put me at about um, 9,200, 9,100 miles on the year. And then I'm going to finish up by hiking the mountains to sea trail across North Carolina to get the, the miles that I need by the end of the year. Okay. And that'll put you close to 11,000 is what you're hoping? That'll, that was the original goal, but with um, I, I uh, took some some shortcuts in Florida. I, I ended up just keeping the continuous footpath. So Florida Trail kind of winds a bit. Same with the CDT. So my goal is a continuous footpath from border to border. So that kind of shortened some of these trails. So the original goal was 11,000 miles. Now, more realistically, it's probably somewhere between 10.3 and 10.5. Okay. Now I know the the burning question that's on everybody's mind is, uh, or at least mine, what is it like hiking from Key West? Take us from Key West to to actually you know mainland Florida. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of road walking. You get real friendly with the cars down there. Um, I, I'd heard people you know like Jupiter that have done it and are are you know great hikers and a lot more bold than I am are super comfortable and nonchalant about stealth camping and sleeping under bridges by busy highways. And I found out on day one, that's not me. <laughs> so I, fortunately I, I had a good budget for this trip. So I, I shelled out and I, I stayed in hotels the first few nights I was in the keys. Um, and so that was kind of, I mean, it was expensive, but it was nice you know, to have a bed and shower at the end of the day at the beginning there. And so I, um, yeah, it was about three days to get through the Keys. I had one night I stayed um, in the driveway of a friend of a friend who wasn't home, but they let me put my tent up. So that was nice. Um, and then I got to mainland. And then for mainland, there's still a little ways to go before you actually get to the, the Florida Trail proper. So it was about six days, um, 180 or so miles from Key West to get to um, Southern Terminus of the Florida Trail at the Oasis Visitor Center. Okay. And did you do any swamp hiking in Florida? I did a little bit, not as much as I thought. The Florida trail gets a bad rap for having a lot of really nasty hiking and nasty critters and everything. Uh, in total, I did about 15 miles in the swamps of the 1200 I put in Florida, 15 were in swampy conditions. So I, I was pretty pleased with that. I thought that wasn't too bad. That was going to be a lot gnarlier. And any, any gator encounters? My only encounters with gators were on the road walk on the way to the Florida trail. I didn't see a single, single gator on the whole Florida trail. 
Okay, that that would be my worst fear. Even I, I think gators yeah. over snakes or bears. Even gators have just that uh, I don't know reptilian or I know they're not reptiles; they're amphibians. But just that you know cold, you know, just absolutely foreign. Yeah, they're dinosaurs that are out there. Yeah, yeah, dinosaurs. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I saw a couple of them, but not too many. Um, not too many snakes either, like less than 10 for the whole trail. I saw a handful of bears, and I, I looked for it but never saw any monkeys. Apparently, there's an area where they were filming one of the Tarzan movies in like the 60s or 70s where the monkeys on set got loose and just bred and ended up like it being a great habitat for them. So apparently, there's an area in Florida you can hike through where you can hear and see monkeys, but I, I didn't see anyone I went through. Is that, is that the actual truth or is that a myth? That's the truth. I had someone tell me that I thought it was a joke and then someone else brought it up and I thought, no way. And then looked it up. And sure enough, that's either a lot of people are in on the joke and I'm not, or it's, it's the real deal. That's wild. Cause something very similar happened on the West coast where they filmed a Western on Catalina Island and they brought bison over for the movie. Oh yeah. 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 Right. And they decided it was too expensive to bring them back. So they just left them there. Yeah. And now that's a thing on the, the what the trans Catalina trail. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wild. All right. Now you mentioned you mentioned that the the last part of the international AT hike was uh, pretty gnarly at that time of the year. What what kind of difficulties did you encounter? Yeah. So I, I mean, already the you know like New Hampshire and a lot of Maine are, are pretty tough, pretty scrambly. And I got up there the kind of the middle of May, and I found a lot of ice and snow were still up there. Um, had to use I use my micro spikes more than I did on the whole Pacific Crest Trail in in that area going up and over some of those mountains that are, are already super tough and then they were covered in ice. So I my my longest day of hiking this year, um, time wise has been about 19 hours and I, I covered about 21 or 22 miles, um, just barely going over a mile an hour through a lot of that stuff, um, taking on, putting on micro spikes, taking them off post-holing all that stuff over Mount Musilock and the Kinsmen's and, and Wolf Mountain and, and all that stuff. It was, that was a gnarly day. And so you started January 1st at Key West. What, what day did you finish up at the Canadian border? Yeah, I got there June 7th. Um, okay. So, so, by, so January 1st. Yeah, 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 right. Uh, January 1st to March 2nd is when I got to Springer and started the AT. And then um, hit Katahdin on June 5th and then Canada June 7th. Okay. And during that time of the year, were there a lot of other people out there? I can't imagine there would be. I wouldn't think there would be either, but they, it was interesting that like, uh, the Sobos were just starting out. So in the hundred mile wilderness at the start of the AT, I met the very first Sobos of the year. Um, and then, you know, there are people that were flipping and day hikers that were out because it was about Memorial day weekend when I was kind of up, um, in the, the second half of Maine. And so there were a lot of people out for Memorial Day weekend. It was the first good weather in Maine. So just a lot of day hikers were out in some places. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I started hitting the Sobos. Okay. Now, you know, what, what does it take in your estimation to be a through hiker? I mean, who, who's able to do this? I think anybody that really, really wants to, and knows what it means to want to, I think, I think it's, it's more mental than anything. Um, 
And so I, you know, most, most anybody can walk all day once you do it long enough. Um, or at least a lot of people can. And so it, it's just wanting to stay out and wanting to stay after it and having that drive and, um, just keeping after it for a long time. And with you being out there at that time of the year and not seeing a whole lot of other people, I mean, how do you, how do you pass the time? Are you, uh, are you listening to music? You listen to podcasts? Are you talking to yourself? Are you planning uh, logistics for the rest of the hike? What, what goes through your mind day after day out there? Yeah. Everything that you just said. Um, uh, lots of podcast. I haven't done as much music this year. It's been lots of podcasts, lots of, um, lots of books, and, and on the AT, I got super lucky. I found a guy early on that was had similar mileage goals to me. And from mile about 800 of the AT to 2200, we hiked on and off together. So I had a buddy for a good chunk of it, uh, which was great. And then I also was just super lucky. I like a, a lot of people have reached out and wanted to help. So I'd um, have stayed with a lot of people on the way. So even on days when I, I've been by myself, I've, I've met up with people at the ends of the day a lot. So I think one, I, I'm big on stats and keeping stats, but I think one that I'm most stoked about for this year uh, is that on the first 158 days from, from Key West to Canada, I slept indoors more nights than outdoors because I was staying with people so often. And so it was, it wasn't necessarily social during the day. I was meeting up with a lot of people and seeing a lot of friends and family and, and just random through hikers that were in the area, trail angels. Um, so that, that really helped keep me going and help keep morale high through those first five and a half months. And prof, uh, taking a look inwards, doing some self-assessment here. Are you pretty even keel? Are you uh, pretty steady in terms of your emotions? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so for sure. Okay. I, yeah, have, I don't. Do you have lows and highs out there? I mean, are, are, do you find yourself occasionally getting to some low moments or some, some really high moments? Yeah. 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 Definitely. I, um, yeah, I had some, some good emotional highs. Um, a lot of them people related to, I like finishing the AT. I got more like pretty emotional and it wasn't, wasn't necessarily cause I was finishing the trail. I was just really bummed that I'd, we got up, um, after you, you climb up and get to the last little stretch before Katahdin. And I was just bummed that I'd finished the last hard bit with my buddy with Grease Pig. So we had kind of a little, uh, little love session there and gave each other a hug and we're, you know, happy we'd gotten to share so much of the trail together and, um, took the last mile to get up there. Um, so, so, so the good highs for sure. Um, and then the, the lows haven't been too bad, or at least it doesn't feel like it. It never does in hindsight, right? Like looking back on it, it never feels like it was that bad, but I think there definitely have been some, some low lights, but they don't, they don't tend to stand out as much as the high ones do. Okay. Any, uh, type two adventure out there thus far? Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, I had one night in Florida, I think was maybe my spookiest moment I was going through and I, I learned early on in Florida, I needed to get to camp before dark because there, I was there in hunting season in Florida. And even though I'm wearing as much orange as I possibly can be, I'm hiking through these back roads and I come across some hunters and it's after dark. And I, you know, I wave and, Hey, I just hiking through and kind of got some weird looks from a couple guys walking by with guns at you know 7 PM and it's dark out and then kept going down this, this gravel road that the trail was. And then there was a car pulled, a couple trucks pulled over and another seven or eight people 
with with their guns ready to go out on this this pig hunt at night and again just kind of waved and kept going um and then looked at my map and realized i was not on the trail and the trail had gone off the road back before i had crossed those people so i decided i didn't want to walk back through and say hi again to those people so i it looked like i wasn't that far from the trail so i tried to just bushwhack and get back to the actual trail and i got to where i couldn't stand up straight i was on my stomach crawling through this brush and the, um, the far out app didn't show where the road was. And so I couldn't turn and go back. So I didn't know what direction the road had been. So I kept just having to crawl through and make my way back to the trail. Uh, it was probably about 15 minutes, which is both not that long of a time. And is also a pretty long time to just be stuck and not be super sure where you are, not know if you can move on, um, but not want to go back and say, hey, to the hunters again. But eventually I got there and it was, it was a huge sigh of relief getting back into the, the night air and seeing the moon and. And just trucking on like nothing had happened. Wow. Now, honest question here. I don't know the answer to this. Do they do they give hunters when they give out the hunting licenses? Do they do they make them take a colorblind test? I don't know. I feel like that as as much as they harp on making sure everyone's wearing orange, you would you would hope that they could see it, right? <laughs> Yeah, that would be a recipe for disaster. You, you, just, just my luck. I'd run into a hunter, the one hunter who's colorblind out there, and I'm all decked out in orange, and I yeah, right, doesn't see it. So, all right. Now, did I catch it right that that your your friend that you're hiking with, his name was Greased Pig. That's the man. Yep. Wow. What do you happen to know the story behind the name? I do. Yeah, I heard about him my first day when I got to the AT. So I told some people what I was up to, and they said, "Oh, wow, you might be the one that can catch the Greased Pig." And so I've been hearing about him for a long time. So that was day one. And I caught him around mile 800. So it was a long time I'd been hearing about him. Um, and I met him and I heard of him and he'd heard of me. And we were excited to meet each other. And so I thought it was because he was this really fast guy. Um, and he is pretty fast, but it was, he said it was, he got it because of his lifestyle because he, he can't be held down. He's jumping around and doing all kinds of different things. We're about the same age. He's like five months older than I am. So he's just working seasonally. The reason that he was going fast and had started early was because he, um, he was commuting to the summer camp he was working at in Maine. And so he started in Georgia and walked up to this camp that he was going to work at for the summer. So he had to get there before the season started. So he was trying to get there quickly. And um, he had just had a, a, a lifestyle where he does a bunch of different stuff all the time. So that's that's the grease pig. The grease pig. And can you imagine the the owner of the summer camp saying, hey, you've got to be here by such and such a date. Uh, you need uh, uh help with plane tickets or anything and he goes ah, no i'll just i'll leave tomorrow i'll start walking i'll, I'll see you <laughs> yeah. in a few months yeah so he did february 28th he took off and then he kept going too he went past katahdin and walked onto property of the camp so he had his own awesome and then got greeted by the staff it was it was awesome wow now you couldn't convince well it sounds like he has he had work op obligations but you couldn't convince grease pig to to join you on the rest of your travels no i tried to but no luck there with this one. Uh, I, but I think he might be going to Colorado later in the year. So I think I might get to see him later on in this trail. Um, but it's funny. I've met friends of his on both the PCT and now also the CDT. So the, the, the ghost of him lives on. I, just a couple of days ago, I met a guy here named um, Boomerang that he had hiked with on the AT before and that I'd heard about. And then he ran into me and said, hey, you know the grease pig? And so it, it's been cool just, and you know, like any hiker that does a couple of trails, you, you realize that like, oh, all these are connected and we have mutual friends. And just the longer you're out here, the more of that kind of thing goes on. It's a small world, small community. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Now when, when you're in those low moments, 
how, how do you get yourself through? What would you say? To, what, what advice would you give to hikers who are kind of at their lowest point and are considering leaving the trail? Yeah, I think, um, I, I just, I've, I've done it long enough. I, it, it's a little bit of a cliche, but just this too shall pass. It, the, the bad moments always leave. Uh, the day always ends with me laying down somewhere relatively comfortable. Uh, I carry my stove. So with a hot meal and that just that, you know, it, it's, it's always going to get better as much as it sucks and is miserable now that just continuing to push through and just doing what you can hiking through the rain for a day, or sometimes it's two or three or four days that there's always, there's always a light at it and it's always going to get better eventually. And so just, just keeping at it, just putting your head down and, and as, as some people say, embracing the stuck, um, it's, you know, it's going to pass. The good moments are coming back and they're going to be that much sweeter because you got through them. Yeah. Prof, you know, you, you just mentioned something that I use in my everyday life. I tell myself at various points throughout the day that, Hey, don't worry. This day is going to end up with you lying down somewhere. So it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, it always does. It never hasn't. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Now you, you went from uh, the Canadian border um, after the, the international AT to Kennedy Meadows, you said, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yep. I had and, a, a friend meet me in LA and drive me up there. Okay. And what were, what were some of the highlights from, from the Sierras and beyond? Oh, I was stoked. I made a buddy pretty quickly. So I had a, a, a friend to hike with for like two weeks at, uh, at Ray Lakes in the, in the Sierras. And so I was out there for a couple of days and I was just blown away. It was really cool. because I, I did it in 19. That was a high snow year. So going back this year, there was not much snow at all. So it was a totally no. different trail for me. Right. So it yeah. felt familiar, but was also really different. Um, the people out there were great. Um, it, yeah, it was just cool getting to experience it, uh, being in a, a place that was familiar and it, it being so different than it was the time before. Yeah. Now I, I've spent uh, a few summers in the Sierras myself. And so I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite lake in the Sierras? I've got mine. You tell me yours. I'll tell you mine. Oh man. Um, I'm, I'm really bad at names of places and things. Um, there's one that I really like just cause it has significance to me. I don't know the name of it, but it's the one going North on the PCT right after Pincho pass. You come down Pincho and then it, it's kind of, uh, tucked away at the base of the mountain, sort of off to the, the left as you're coming down on the Northern side. Um, it was really pretty this time we got there in the evening on my first hike. We, we spent the 4th of July on that lake. Okay. I do not know the name of it in between Pincho and Mather. Yes. It's right out. You can see it from the top of Pincho after you get up there. Going northbound. Going northbound. Huh? Huh. I'll do some research on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the description. Like I said, I can't tell you the name of it. Okay. My favorite is Wanda. I love Wanda Lake. Just, uh, I think it's pretty cool that Muir Pass, you have you have Muir Hut, and then on either side of the pass, you have a lake named after one of his daughters. And Wanda Lake just happens to be, I don't know, kind of iconic in my, in my, my mind. It was uh, one of the first great campsites we had on, on our 2015 trip. So that's just kind of stuck with me. Oh, cool. Is that going north? Is that north or south of the pass? It's north of the pass. North. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I know which one it is. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now, do you have a, a favorite uh, campsite in the Sierras? Um, yeah, I had one this time. 
it is just a random stealth spot. I was with Boogie. She was my hiking partner for this section. And she was just so stoked. She wanted to sleep on just a big flat rock at some point. And so we, we got one one night. We got in late. It was after dark. This was um, 15 or 20 miles south of, um, of Tuolumne Meadows. And so there was just this big, flat, expansive rock we laid out. And it was one of the best nights of stars I've ever seen. We had just like a great view of the Milky Way. Um, it, was, it was just a perfectly flat expanse that was right next to the trail. We could reach out and put our hands on the trail from where we were. Um, but it, it was just epic. It's such a good flat spot. We looked at the stars. We slept in, and we, we still hit everything that we needed to that next day. It was, it was awesome. Well, but crazy. just an unnamed spot. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. All right. Now, so you, you depart, are you departing tomorrow? Or you have another zero tomorrow to rest the hip. I'm going to take one more day tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a slow start up here for me, but, but it's kind of been nice. It's, I was dragging my feet a little bit getting started out here because it was a pretty quick transition. Finished the PCT last Tuesday. I traveled all day Wednesday and then I was hiking here on Thursday. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. And then I got out here and I kind of dragged my feet. I hung out at the lodges a long time. And then I finally got going yesterday and then hurt myself. And then when I couldn't hike, I started feeling like I really need to hike now. So I, I think it's helped to kind of light a fire under me for, for getting going on this, this bit. Cause it, it's kind of daunting to do all, all the miles and then start over at a at mile zero on another trail again. That's tough. So I'm, I'm feeling inspired and stoked to get going more, more than just a sense of duty, but an actual feeling of like, I'm excited to get hiking again. So I think one more day I'll be feeling really fresh and I'll, I'll start flying down South. Nice. If you can keep that attitude. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Being able to keep a positive mental health headspace is everything. Now, some a subset of what you're doing this year is the calendar year triple crown. You, you're by the time you're finished, you'll have done the the PCT, the AT, and the uh, CDT. What advice for anybody out there who's considering attempting the calendar year triple crown? What advice would you give them? What 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 kind of planning or logistics should they be paying attention to? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's it's really important to to just be super flexible. Uh, obviously. I was really gung-ho about wanting to go and do all the trails straight through. I hate having to jump around and skip sections and everything. But I just got to a point when I was out on the AT, it just didn't make sense to try to start in the desert and set myself up for, for failure that I could, I could save that chunk for later. The desert's going to be hikeable way later than like Colorado is going to be. And so being okay with it not going the way that you want it to is definitely important. Um, I think finding... Uh, time and, and places to look forward to along the way is really important of letting yourself have a hotel night in a town or something or have, have friends coming out to, to meet you um, and then tell your friends that are coming to meet you that it's going to be hard to line up and they're going to need some grace with that. Uh, I'd have like the, yeah, I've had to message people a lot say, Hey, I thought it was going to be six o'clock today, but it's going to be more like 10 30 PM tomorrow. And then everyone's been great or at least, to me, at least what they've said to me, they, they've been really nice about it. Um, so making sure people that are coming out to support you can be flexible. And then I think it's also important to, to let yourself have rest at times to, to take some zeros. And um, it, yeah, it's, it's really important to, to let your body rest and to have those things to look forward to also. If it's once every three weeks or once every month or however it is that you do it, but allowing yourself time to take off and knowing that you've earned it and that you need it. And um, 
yeah, just making sure you still get breaks. Now, do you have any sponsors that are helping you out uh, out there? I mean, you are doing something pretty incredible out there. I would be surprised if you, you don't have some kind of backing by some some wilderness or outdoor adventure type sponsors. Yeah, yeah, I do. I've got some companies that are helping me out. Some that are called sponsorships, some that I, I don't know if there's a title to it or if it's just people helping me out with stuff. So Alabama Outdoors has been awesome. The, the company I was working for, they've been great at helping me um, get some of the gear I've needed and also helping me out with shoes. I'm also on the Ultra Red team this year, and so they're helping me out with shoes. Um, and then uh, a, a local company to Knoxville called Alt Route Meals. That's really great. Um, and then... Let's see. Oh, Zolio has been really awesome. They're my um, like my satellite communicator that I use. Uh, that that one's been really great. That's kind of an up and coming one. Um, and then I've I've had a lot of help from from Chris with Light AF that, that does the packs and the fanny packs and everything over there. And then um, and then my buddy Jolly from Jolly Gear that does the shirts. So it's so yeah, great great support on the gear end. It's That's been awesome. awesome. Oh, and then the, and then the Trek also the Trek's been helping me out. Yes. I remember seeing, seeing you post on the track. I think I reached out to you after I saw an article there that you had written. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was my first place that I kind of announced that I was going to do this trip in like yeah. March of last year. Mm -hmm. Now, how many pairs of shoes does it take to walk the international AT and uh, everything but 800 miles of the PCT and Glacier? How many shoes have you gone through this season? Yeah, I, I just uh, had pair number 13 sent to me a couple days ago. Wow. So I'm running low on pair number 12 right now. Okay. It's getting a little noisier there. People kind of emerging from, from uh, dinner or something out there or getting ready for yeah, bed or yeah. looking I, at the stars. I think that's the case. Yep. People rolling in. We got some, some tents being set up here. Um, that's what's going on. Okay. Hey, prof, you know where we are? Uh, I think that I probably do, but why don't you introduce it? Okay. The Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's right, Half Cap. It's time for the Pro Tip. Time for Prof to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? Okay, so I'm I'm a big gear guy. I love gear. I love talking gear. Um, I think it's important to note and recognize. Uh, I guess I'll say kind of two things. So, because for one. I think there's a lot of very good gear. I don't think there's much of the best of anything. Uh, I think there are like 20 or 30 good backpacks out there that are fantastic. And then same with down jackets and quilts and all this stuff. And so I, I love like doing the research and finding stuff out as much as the next person, but I've, I've gotten to where I just like playing around with different stuff. So there's tons of good gear out there. There's not the best thing. Uh, there might be something that works better for one person than another in some areas, but I think there's a lot of gear that is very good gear. Um, and so it's just kind of figuring out what works best for each individual person. Um, but just, yeah, lots of gear is very good gear. Okay. There's a lot available out there. You don't have to be yeah. picky, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Professor. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Prof, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? Where can they find updates on your current adventure? Yeah, my uh, it's all on Facebook and Instagram, but it's the same thing getting posted from Instagram to Facebook. So it's easiest 
just to follow it on Instagram. Um, and that is prof underscore Carl. So P R O F underscore C A R L. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Any TikTok uh, account there, prof? Not yet. I am very hesitant to pick up another social media thing. I think <laughs> it's I'm a lot, content. right? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymir at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Prof, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of outdoor uh, adventure media keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Yeah, it's something uh, I have not read yet, but I have gotten really excited about it. I just met um, a, a new friend here named Pacer, um, he, who's also from the Knoxville area. He and his friend uh, Nancy East set the, the fastest known time of hiking all the miles in the Smokies a few years ago. Um, and I had heard about them through uh, an, an episode of backpacker radio that the trek put out because um nancy east gave an interview there and she wrote a book about it about that experience um and i i think the title is called like chasing the smokies moon something like that so i'm not totally sure on the title i uh, have not read it yet but i'm really excited to it's, it's the book by nancy east about her and um my friend pacer chris ford setting the fastest no time hiking all the miles of the Smokies. So as a, a Smokies uh, native and local, I'm stoked to, to give a shout out to a really cool adventure done through there. That sounds incredible. You have to read it and give us a, give us a review. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. When I come back next time. That's right. And you, you're currently setting the FKT for 10,500 miles. Yeah. You could say that. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's one way of looking yeah. at it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. What have we not asked you? All right. Before we wrap things up, one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What, what did we miss tonight? Oh, man, that's a good question, Doc. Um, oh, I think something that might have come up but didn't because you changed your hiking pole format is um, what, what hiking changes have I made since uh, doing this year that's different than previous years? So I I have I've done it before and I've kind of forgotten about it and then got back into it. I've become a huge proponent of cowboy camping. I've been super into that this year. So I'm I've I've still got my tent just because I was worried about bugs a little bit in Oregon. But I've I've become I'm all over the cowboy camping uh, bandwagon. I'm super into it. It's great to just roll up and plop down at the end of the day. Um. I'm doing that. I am, I've kind of done a hybrid with, with cooking also. Um, I still have my stove. I still usually cook during a stretch, but almost always the first night I'm packing out my, my dinner from town, like a sandwich or something. So I can save myself one night of cooking just to save on time. Um, so I'm, I'm still not so crazy. I've gotten rid of my stove. I still have it out there, but I usually do one or sometimes two nights on a stretch where I've just got a sandwich or, or something cold that I eat um, just to be able to save time in uh at the end of the day like that that's great now of the 238 nights uh how many approximately how many have you done cowboy camping uh, well i hadn't done any until i got to the pct because uh just the wet nature of, of the appalachian trail yeah um but on the pct i was in my tent maybe five nights out of the 60 i was out there um 
you know, and then I was indoors for a few of those nights too. So probably like somewhere between 40 and 50 nights I was cowboy camping and the, the 60 I was on the PCT. Fantastic. All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Carl, including some of your, uh, your, your hostel mates there. Yeah, 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 sure. So, you know, just like my, my family, my, my sister has been my logistics coordinator this year. That's been awesome. My parents, my grandparents, all my extended family are, are super stoked about the trip this year. They're all really supportive. Um, the crew here at the hostel has been awesome. Big shout out to Luna here at Luna's place in East Glacier. Um, my hiking buddies I spent the most time with, Grease Pig, Boogie, Sunshine, Airdrop, um, everyone else I've gotten to meet and hike with, if it's been a few miles or the better part of a day. Um, yeah, just still lots of great people to meet out here on trails. And uh, it, it, it feels like I'm starting to get to where I am just like maybe one person removed from everybody that's through hiking right now. It feels great. <laughs> incredible hey carl i'm in awe of what you're doing out there i'm a big fan i want to wish you the best of luck on the rest of your trip this year i'll be following along uh i'll be i'll be messaging messaging you occasionally to to check in and see how things are going but uh, all the best luck out there buddy sounds great doc i really appreciate it i appreciate your support since the beginning of investing in me and bringing me on the podcast when this was a dream that was nine months out and now i'm, I'm over halfway into it woohoo all right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're off trail at dusk in the middle of a bunch of wild pig hunters in Florida. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.